Good morning, friends, those that I've known for 30 years, those who I've known for three months, and those who I've known not at all, but I'm looking forward to getting to know. Greetings in the name of Jesus, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Philosophy says, think your way out. Science says, invent your way out. Politicians say, spend your way out. Liquor crowd says, drink your way out. Rock says, drug your way out. Psychiatry says, talk your way out. Money says, buy your way out. Labor says, strike your way out. Industry says, work your way out. Religion says, liturgize your way out. Satan says, there is no way out. But Jesus says, I am the way. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to learn of your ways and to enjoy each other's company. And we pray that we would also enjoy ourselves in your presence as we present ourselves to you. We ask for your blessing on this service and on this group of young people and everyone who has gathered. And we pray that Jesus Christ would be magnified. We would learn of his ways and determine to follow his steps. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Well, by way of introduction, uh, I'm from Canada, and you can blame me if you want to for the cold weather and the extra snow that you've had this year, if that's been your situation. Actually, uh, um, I think it's coming from Siberia, is what I'm told, across the North Pole into Canada and then into the States here. But uh, we've had a, a long, difficult winter in southern Ontario. We had a blizzard on uh, Saturday, or on uh, Wednesday, which closed the schools. And uh, I think we still have the same snow on the ground that we had uh, before Christmas. We've never had a, a real uh, January thaw or anything like that this year. And uh, the snow banks along the road, many of them are quite a bit higher than what I am. So it looks quite different here in Virginia for me. My wife is here also. Her name is Barbara. And other than her, I think I'm probably safe in saying I'm the only human being here in, the, in this room. Um, that's a B-E-A-N, Bean, of course. Is there anyone else who has the name of Bean here? Maybe I'm mistaken. Uh, the rest of you are all fortunate, I guess. Uh, my first name is Howard, and uh, although I like the name Harold, and my school teachers often called me Harold, I will respond to Harold if you call me that. I've been glad that my parents called me Howard, because uh, if my name was Harold, I imagine my nickname would be Harry, and I think a Harry Bean sounds... <laughs> Maybe it sort of corresponds with a person, too, as far as that goes. But uh... Also, I'd like you to know that uh, I am a, a very wealthy man, at least if you rate wealth in terms of relationships. 
and that's the way I do. I consider myself wealthy, not in riches, but in relationships. And uh, many young people have made me feel very wealthy in relationships. I do enjoy relating to young people. This morning I've been asked to speak about my youth, um, not in, in as much as it was an unusual youth particularly, but each of us walks a unique path. And uh, no matter what our background, what our stature, or our social or financial standing, each of us is cared for by our Savior. And First Peter says, He careth for you. And I was impressed by a little understanding of some Greek that was passed along my way, in which that phrase, He careth for you, can be translated, It matters to him. Concerning you, it matters to him. And uh, so if you've got a new case of acne, it matters to him. If you have faced disappointments in the last week, it matters to him. And uh, if you have a bad hair day, it matters to him. If you are lonely, it matters to him. If you are ostracized, it matters to him. So, ten lessons from my youth. Uh, looking back, there is a danger of a selective memory that I recognize. And, and so, those who knew me in my youth might not totally agree with what I'm about to say this morning. Story is told of a boy, a number of boys, who uh, found a dog, very nice dog, and uh, they were trying to decide who was going to get it, and so uh, uh, they came up with the idea that whoever tells the biggest lie gets the dog. And there was an adult standing close by listening to this conversation, and, and uh, after a while he spoke up and he said, uh, boys, boys, uh, when I was a boy, I never told a lie. The boys looked at each other. They said, okay, he gets the dog. <laughs> now, sometimes uh, we learn by experience, sometimes by the experience of others. I'd like to read from Genesis 30, verse 27, about uh, Laban's uh, comment about the phrase that he uses with reference to Jacob's staying with him, Genesis 30, verse 27. And Laban said unto him, to Jacob, I pray thee, if I have found favor in thine eyes, tarry, for I have learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. That's where that expression comes from, to learn by experience. Next, I'd like to read from Psalm 37, the experience of the um, shepherd David, a more godly man than Laban. And in Genesis 37 and verse 23, this is looking back, it says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. 
That's verse 23, now verse 25. I have been young and now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. So man, uh, actually he's referred to in Revelation 2.10. His name is not given there. His name is Polycarp, but he was the leader of the church at Smyrna. And you may recall his story of how the people of the Roman Empire, uh, certain ones were out to get rid of the Christians, and he was a leader, and so he was targeted, and so they arrested him, and uh, he was told to uh, curse Christ, to worship the, the idols of the Roman Empire, and he said, I cannot de deny Christ. Eighty and six years have I served me, and he has never let me down. He learned by experience. The Apostle Paul said, I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. Learning by experience. And then there's also the experience of others that uh, we can learn from. And uh, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, Now all these things happen unto them for examples and are written for our admonition. So here goes with ten lessons from my youth. Number one, God can change our interests and orientation. Now, in my case, it was through conversion, particularly. Sometimes the uh, process is, is rapid, as, as in the case of uh, being born again. Let me remind you of the story, I think it comes from Oregon, of uh, the adolescent girls who were being really cool and uh, uh, painting their lips with lipstick and then uh, pressing their pretty little lips against the, uh, the mirror in the restroom at school. And so this was making a lot of work for the custodian, and so the principal called the girls together, who she was suspicious of, and she... Uh, said, uh, this is causing a lot of work for the custodian, and she asked the custodian to uh, show how much work it is, and so the custodian um, put his uh, brush into the toilet bowl and began to scrub the mirrors. And uh, that was a rather rapid change of orientation as far as the lipstick thing was concerned after that. When I was 13, our dairy barn went up in smoke, and that was a, a paradigm shift for me. It was a, a change of orientation. And uh, sort of that time, I, looking back, I, I took a lot more responsibility at that point, and uh, we, we, we rebuilt. And uh, um, sort of when I became a man, or at least more of a man than I was, at conversion, um, Well, one of the changes uh, was how I looked at other people and how I looked at myself. I remember I had a stash of pictures, um, pictures that I did not show my parents. Um, I burned them. They weren't, well, they were, I would call them pornographic pictures, but they were more of the style of thing that... Uh, you'd find at the checkout counter nowadays, but I knew they weren't right. 
Often it's more gradual, the changes that we have. Although from ages 15 to 20, there is a rather steep learning curve. At age 15, I remember distinctly thinking, uh, there's three things I don't want to be. People would say, okay, what are you going to be when you're older? I knew I didn't want to be a teacher. And I knew I didn't want to be a preacher. And I knew I didn't want to be a writer. I was extremely shy as an adolescent. And so public speaking totally freaked me out. Um, when I was in grade 10, I had to give a public speech. It was an exciting title, like um, Seven Wonders of the Ancient World. I could copy out a world book, I think. And uh, so when I got done with this uh, oration, a uh, teacher said, uh, she was, her, her name was Mrs. Pust. Never met anyone like her, all 350 pounds of her. Uh, <laughs> she said, Howard, whatever was so interesting outside, you were staring outside the window the total time that you were speaking. I, I was unaware of that, but maybe... There weren't any words out there, I don't think, but anyway. It was much better looking out the window than looking anybody in the eye. So um, I didn't want to be a, a teacher, obviously, then. And I didn't want to be a preacher for the same reason. I didn't want to be a writer because that's way too much work, and my, my writing was not very impressive to my teachers anyhow. So uh, perhaps we'd say the Lord has a sense of humor because, uh, as many of you know, I... I'm a teacher and a preacher. Uh, I thought perhaps I would teach for 10 years, and then uh, I was very interested in the dairy farm. I liked the farm operation, but um, it didn't work out that, uh, well, I would have had the opportunity to be a dairy farmer, but I felt the Lord calling me to relate more so with people than with, with cows, although I realized I could have done both uh, to some extent, but and as far as the preaching end of things was concerned, um, a sense of a sense of call, I guess you would say, uh, not a audible call, but um, it was a sense of what may transpire in the future, such that when I was dating my wife, at least after we were engaged, uh, I forget at what stage anyway, I mentioned to her that. Uh, um, I may be called to the ministry at some point and wanted to make sure that she was okay with that. And then at age 23, I was asked to uh, edit a, a small church paper. And I uh, can't say that I enjoy writing uh, so much. Uh, it's more of a, a burden that I have to share the truth with others. Um, sometimes say I... When people say, do you enjoy writing? I say, I enjoy having written. And uh, there is a difference between the writing process and having written. So, the Lord can change our interests and our orientation. Second lesson, shyness can be at least partially overcome. I still feel quite shy inside and bashful. And... It's been something that I've worked on over the years. Um, 
when I was an adolescent, uh, the milk truck would uh, come to pick up the milk, and the driver was a nice man, but I was just too shy and scared to go and talk with him. So when I'd hear that milk truck drive into the lane, I'd hightail it for another part of the barn where I wouldn't encounter him. And uh, we had some neighbors uh, actually renting a house on our farm. And uh, some 30 years afterwards, I talked with uh, a neighbor who would have been uh, 10 or 12 when I was 14. And uh, anyway, his dad died and I went to the funeral home and hadn't, we hadn't seen each other for many years. And he said, you know what I remember about you, Howard? He said, I remember when I'd meet you, you'd always have your face down to the ground. Uh, I, I wasn't texting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Or looking at myself, but uh, maybe I was looking for pennies. I'm not sure. I was fairly interested in those. I had a put down. Uh, I rode. I went to a public school, high school, and uh, as a little grade niner, I uh, I was treated to some comments and uh, um, actions by the older boys, twelfth uh, graders, and. At that point, we had grade 13 in uh, Ontario. Uh, Ontario students, I guess, don't learn as fast as American ones. Anyhow, um, I remember uh, they would uh, comb my hair for me, literally, on the way to school and, and different things that perhaps had a bit of an impact on me. And I think I was probably 15 or 16 until I first would answer the telephone and talk on the telephone uh, when it would ring. So I was, I was quite shy. However, through conversion and through uh, simply becoming more mature, I think, uh, I have become less self-conscious and more conscious, I think, of the needs of others and uh, more Christ-conscious. So for those of you who are shy, and feel very bashful, uh, things may change. Not necessarily, but that was something that I learned for myself personally. The third thing, it's dangerous to procrastinate receiving Christ. And to my shame, I procrastinated for a number of years. I probably sensed the call of the Spirit by when I was age 12 or something like that. I had gone to church a lot and heard uh, evangelistic sermons. And then uh, thir age 13 came and 14 and 15 and 16. And by the time I was 16, I didn't know what to think. I didn't have a particular sense of... Um, Wanting to become a Christian, um, well, maybe it wasn't so much that as I didn't. I, I was all confused because I had procrastinated. I said no to the Holy Spirit. I had probably sat through well over 100 evangelistic in invitations, and my heart was hardened at that point because I had said no so frequently. So I was confused, and I really didn't know, even though you know, I, I had learned some Bible verses in summer Bible school and Sunday school. I, my mind was, was blinded, I guess, as, as the Bible says. And 
Uh, fortunately for me, uh, my parents continued to carry concern for me. Uh, my dad talked to me at one point and wondered if uh, he, I wouldn't let him lead me to the Lord, and I said, no, I wasn't, wasn't ready, wasn't interested. And um, they, uh, during a series of revival meetings, I was going on 17, um, perhaps they sensed something that was going on in my heart, I'm not sure, maybe just through their prayers. They invited the visiting evangelist and the local pastor to meet with me after school, and normally I would have been... Uh, far away from that kind of a meeting, but uh, I was thinking a lot that day, and I decided, yes, I will, I will talk to them, and if I can find some answers to my questions, I think I would yield my heart to the Lord, and uh, one of the questions was whether I had sinned beyond redemption, beyond hope. You know, the Bible talks about uh, blaspheming the Holy Spirit, and I thought perhaps that had been my situation. And it was explained to me that if I had a desire and a longing to get right with the Lord, to become a Christian, that indicated that the Holy Spirit was still working in my heart and that I could still come to the cross and find salvation through repentance and faith and a number of other questions like that. But for those who delay... Um, verse here from Hebrews... Hebrews 4, 7 says, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. And that was what I had done, unfortunately. But the Lord in mercy continued to call me, and uh, ultimately I responded, and I'm so glad that I did. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation, 2 Corinthians 6.2. A fourth lesson has to do with the influence of an insincere conversion or of a sincere conversion. Now, there was a gang of us guys around 14, 15, 16 who were not Christians at the church where I attended. And um, one day, one of them uh, got up in church Sunday morning, I still remember, and he said, uh, I've become a Christian, please pray for me. So that got me thinking during the service. And then after the service, we were gathered around in a cluster in the parking lot and I was observing this individual. And I noticed he told the same filthy stories as he had the week before. And his language and his life didn't seem to be any different, and I was not impressed. I had a first cousin, a little older than myself. Uh, I had a lot to do with her. And she was not a Christian, and I was not a Christian. And uh, if it wasn't the day of texting, we would have sent lots of messages back and forth, but uh, we, we would write little notes to each other in church and evaluate the preacher and just, um, just make fun of spiritual things. 
And one Sunday morning, there was a sermon about the second coming of Christ. And she went forward to show that she was repenting of her sins, wanted to become a Christian. And I noticed her life was very different than it had been before that day. And I did a lot of thinking about that. A fifth lesson. God responds to earnest prayers. I mentioned that I was not a Christian for quite a number of years. But I do recall as I was getting a little older and I, well, I remember thinking I'd, I'd rather not be. Um, if I hadn't been born, that would be better. I wasn't really a possibility. And so I was confronted with the fact that I am alive. I, although I was taught the theory of evolution in school, um, I didn't, you know, I was also taught about the Bible, so I didn't know where I came out on that, but um, it seemed to me that there's something beyond uh, dying like a cow or a dog or a groundhog. And so I had to face the reality that I am alive. I, I think I have a, a destiny. And uh, even though I'd rather not choose, uh, as I said, I'd rather not be, that wasn't a possibility, and so I needed. And so in my searching, in my thinking, I remember kneeling down on the barn floor one day and saying, God, if you are there, I ask that you would reveal yourself to me somehow. And it wasn't in a bright light or anything like that, but uh, over the next number of months, he did, and uh, as I mentioned, I became a Christian. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, the Lord says, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. God responds to our prayer. A sixth lesson has to do with our parents. It's a matter of Respecting our parents or not respecting our parents and their wishes. Now, as you can imagine, uh, um, my relationship with the parents, as I was not a Christian and they were concerned about me, wasn't the smoothest, although I wasn't outwardly uh, a, a rebellious uh, uh, sort of person that was breaking their heart. And even though I wasn't uh, a Christian, I did... Uh, I guess it was trained in me that I should obey them and not disregard their wishes. Remember when I was about 14, uh, uh, I was the uh, pitcher on the softball team at school. And anyway, the local town needed a uh, pitcher. And so the coach came out to uh, our farm and he wanted to see me pitch and I was happy to show him my stuff. And he was quite impressed and wanted to sign me up for a half a million dollar contract. Uh, no, everything was true except that last statement. <laughs> but I knew uh, it would have to go past my parents, and my dad said, no, he doesn't want me to be involved in the, the town sports, and so uh, that was the end of that. And looking back, I think that probably was a turning point in my life, that had I gone with that crowd, I, I 
don't know for sure, but I rather doubt that I would have become a Christian uh, simply because of my association with those who were ungodly. So it is important to communicate with parents to tell them where you're planning to go, when you're planning to come back, and so on. Um, there were some things about my parents that impressed me, I think. Um, I mentioned the barn fire, and I knew this was a deep loss for my parents. Uh, they had struggled financially, um, and um, things were looking up. I mean, they had lived through the Depression years. And anyway, they uh, we were looking to expand the herd and maybe add on to the barn. And uh, anyway, the barn burned, um, possibly from some neighbor boys who may have been trying out some matches in the haymow, not sure. Anyway, I knew it was quite a disappointment for my dad. This was on a Saturday afternoon when the barn started to burn. And on Sunday morning, my dad got up, and I remember him saying, um, other than some thanks for some help to people who came to look after the animals and so on. And uh, he said, The Lord hath given, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And uh, I never forgot those words from the book of Job, from my father's mouth. His response was, uh, was something that was commendable. I think it is important to uh, appreciate parents. Don't take them for granted. Um, thank them for their care of you when you were young. Thank them for their prayers. Oh, it says, if you have a smile for mother, give it now. If you have a kindly word, speak it now. She'll not need it when the angels greet her at the golden gate. And maybe I put in a special word for mothers especially. Uh, mothers are crucial in uh, our society, really, and in the home. Mothers can prevent uh, what police can't undo. Mothers can prevent what social workers and psychologists can't figure out. Mothers can prevent what prison authorities puzzle over and school teachers and so on. Appreciate your parents, and I'm, I'm glad that I have. Um, I, I was blessed, I've been blessed to have my father die just about three years ago. He was 98. Um, my mom is still alive. She's on her way to 102 at the present time, so I still am blessed by her and uh, um, her mind, uh, her memory, I would have to say is better than what mine is. So that's, well, maybe that's not saying too much, but uh, it, is, it is for a lady that's 101 anyhow that uh, she's very alert. And uh, well, she says, uh, nice thing about being old, you know, her peers are gone. Uh, people will come to interview her, and uh, she says the nice thing about this is that uh, uh, she finds out that she's always right. There's nobody around to disagree with her. So, uh. <laughs> Seventh point lesson is to appreciate your ministry. 
at church. I remember uh, uncertainty in my mind whether I should go to university or not. I was interested in teaching at that point. And I consulted with uh, one of my ministers, and uh, he gave me good advice, pointed out advantages and disadvantages, and uh, helped to give me some some guidance that I, I think helped me also, kept in touch with him when I was at university. I remember an incident when I was 18. I had uh, been asked to teach summer Bible school, and so... I uh, went to teach summer Bible school, and I was wearing a short sleeve shirt, and I didn't think anything of it. Uh, just simply a short sleeve shirt, a decent shirt. But uh, the superintendent, who was also the minister, um, said he'd he'd like if I would wear a long sleeve shirt for start teaching summer Bible school, and so. You know how it is when somebody makes a suggestion like that. But uh, I did, and I'm glad I did. Um, it is important to appreciate the ministry and to uh, bring yourself into alignment with uh, their wishes, I believe. An eighth lesson is uh, has to do with studying the Bible. Now, I realize that I had wasted years there in my teenage years, and so I knew I had a ways to go to catch up, as it were. And so I did uh, still have some of the sermon notes that I would have made during those years of sermons that I was listening to. And I was able to go to a Bible school. Not for long. I was just there for a week. But during that time, I found out there were excellent books on the subject of apologetics, things that strengthened my faith, showed me that the Bible was accurate, showed me the fallacies of the theory of evolution, showed me the wonders of creation, and uh, gave me guidance as far as uh, how I should view the scriptures and my life. And so there is a, a valuable place for a Bible school. Some benefit from it a lot more than others, I would say. Um, somewhat depends on what stage we are spiritually and what our experience has been in the past and uh, the interest that we have. But it is important not only to study the Bible in a, in a formal setting, but also um, in your personal life and at home. On the subject of Bible study, i reading here from the Wall Street Journal that uh, there are a thousand new cookbooks put out in America every year. A lot of them are full color and glossy and expensive, and uh, my wife has a few of them. And, uh, but anyway... Uh, there's, there's more and more cookbooks and less and less cooking. And uh, this uh, reporter interviewed a portfolio manager in New York. And uh, in the last four years, she had acquired 16 cookbooks and uh, is a subscriber to two cooking magazines. But the last time she prepared a sit-down meal was four years ago. And she said it didn't turn out then, so uh, maybe there's still hope for her, but... You know, we may, have, we may have books, we have the Bible itself, but do we study it and do we have a hunger for it? Uh, to, uh, 
To study means more than just an intellectual knowledge, but also a, a heart knowledge. This fellow a number of years ago, by the name of Bill, lived out on the West Coast, and uh, he went to Sunday school. And the preacher one Sunday announced that anyone who memorizes the Sermon on the Mount will be entitled to uh, an all-expense uh, um, paid excursion to the Seattle Needle, I think it is. That, anyway, a tourist attraction there in Seattle. So shortly after that, uh, Bill was traveling with his parents in the in the two and a half hours that he traveled, he had memorized the Sermon on the Mount, went to the preacher and, memori- and recited it perfectly, and got to go on the, to the top of the Space Needle. Well, this individual, uh, uh, whose last name is Gates, um, was asked a few years ago, um, what do you think about God? said, God, well, maybe I'm an agnostic, an atheist. Uh, well, maybe just put me down as a Protestant who hasn't been to church for a long time. So Bill Gates, who uh, got a perfect SAT score and said he wasn't intellectually challenged at Harvard, hasn't given enough thought to know whether he's an agnostic or an atheist or what he thinks, it, other than a, a backslidden Protestant. You know, we may memorize lots of verses, we may know lots of things about the Bible, but it needs to become an internal thing. And uh, not just have Bible knowledge. And one's devotional life is a bit of a thermometer, a register of um, where we are spiritually. When one's devotional life is vibrant and meaningful, then... One's walk with the Lord is, is usually close. So it is important to have a, a regular time for Bible reading and prayer. And you may not read five chapters or anything like that, but read something and, and have something that, that uh, the Lord is communicating to you, something that you get from it. And uh, Bible reading and prayer takes effort. And uh, the devil would try to keep you from drawing closer to God in those ways. But remember, God loves you very much, and he wants to talk with you day by day. Two more lessons. Wait on the Lord and seek his guidance. One of my, I guess, in my youth certainly, a favorite verse of mine was, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not unto thine own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Someone said the stops of a good man are ordered of the Lord too, and so we can take our guidance uh, from circumstances, but especially from the scriptures. And uh, it's important that we accept his will after seeking it. And so, have you asked for the Lord's direction? I remember my youth, uh, not knowing what I would do for a living. I wasn't sure about marriage. Uh, I didn't know about where to live, about VS. It's important to ask and to be open then. Some of us uh, men are rather reluctant to ask for 
direction or for directions. As someone pointed out in connection with the wise men coming to Bethlehem, there were two uh, almost miraculous things, two very unusual things there. One was the star in the sky and the other was that the men stopped and asked directions. How to get to Bethlehem. Um, a family was on its way to a vacation destination off in a, some camping area and they came to a sign that said, Road closed, do not enter. Well, Dad, he was driving the automobile, or the van, whatever he had, and he knew the road, and he knew it would save them a lot of time, and his wife said, I'm not so sure about this. And he said, I know. So uh, they went on, had a nice road till they came to a bridge that was out, and so they had to come backtrack. And when they got back to the original sign, uh, the opposite side of the sign said, uh, Welcome back. <laughs> 